go ahead and open up to Romans chapter 7. We are continuing our verse-by-verse Bible study through the book of Romans, starting a new chapter today. If you guys were here last week, our founding pastor and missionary, Jason Beal, gave a very timely word on making sure we're focused on the love of God first and foremost in our relationship with him last week. And I say timely because as we get into Romans 7 today, we're going to see how Paul talks about uh, us being free from being under the law. And as such, we shouldn't be living with a focus on following it or basically with this mindset of like, I just need to focus on what I should do and what I shouldn't do, which is another term that you've probably heard before used. It's called legalism. There being a big difference between living for God by trying to keep his law in lieu of living with God in the loving relationship he intends to have with you and me. And to better show us what that difference entails, I'm going to start out by reading a story that I heard Pastor John Corson from Applegate Christian Fellowship share uh, before that kind of gives you this idea of what it's like to live under the law in your life. So bear with me. You wake up. Lying next to you is your husband, Mr. Perfect. This is not about any of you men, so don't (laughs) look at your wife, okay? His breath is mint fresh and not a single hair is out of place. His pajamas are pressed and even the sheet over him is unruffled. He's perfect. And he's your hubby. Good morning, he says, as he gives you a perfect peck on the cheek. And then with amazing energy, he bounds out of bed with a smile on his face, goes to his closet, and takes out his perfectly tailored suit with his perfectly white starched shirt and perfectly matched tie. It doesn't really fit around here. Maybe like a plaid flannel type thing (laughs) in Carhartt's. He dresses himself impeccably, puts his belt around his perfect-sized waist, and goes into the kitchen to make his breakfast. He has no coffee, no sweet rolls, no eggs, and no cholesterol. He has granola with skim milk and tomato juice to drink. Finished with breakfast, he picks up his bowl, rinses it out, puts it in the dishwasher, and sets the timer. I do that, don't I, babe? (laughs) That's me. (laughs) (laughs) then he gives you another peck on the cheek and out the door he goes to work he drives perfectly not one mile over the speed limit nor one mile under stopping for pedestrians along the way at work he fulfills his task to the letter then at five not 459 not 501 he finishes cleaning up his spotless desk and he walks to his car and drives home And as you greet him at the door, you're again amazed that you had the good fortune to marry Mr. Perfect. But as he walks into the house, he stops and looks at you rather quizzically. You realize he's looking at your hair because there's a strand out of place. And then he goes into the kitchen, and being a perfect six feet, four inches tall, he notices dust on top of the refrigerator. How can this be, he wonders. Panic begins to fill your heart, 
and anguish begins to set in until you remember that you fixed a fabulous meal. As he sits down to dinner, you bring out the six-course meal you prepared, the aroma filling the room. But as you uncover the entree, you realize your husband, Mr. Perfect, is staring at the parsley, which to your dismay looks a bit wilted. As he reaches for something to drink, your heart sinks as you see a spot on his glass. The evening goes downhill from there, and you go to bed thinking, yes, I'm married to Mr. Perfect, but he's driving me crazy. This goes on until you become filled with so much tension and anxiety that you decide it was a mistake to marry Mr. Perfect. I want a divorce, you say. On what grounds, asks the judge. My husband is perfect, you answer. Request denied, declares the judge. Perfection is not grounds for divorce. You go on your way thinking. You can't last a moment longer when suddenly you remember Romans 7, which says that the woman is bound to her husband only so long as he is alive. <laughs> so the next day, as he's reading the paper, you pour a bottle of arsenic into your husband's celery juice. <laughs> you wait with anticipation as he takes a sip and two and three, and your anticipation turns to amazement as he asks for seconds until you remember that he's in perfect health and his kidneys filter out the poison totally. <laughs> oh no, you say, I can't divorce him because he's perfect. He won't die because he's perfect. I'm stuck in this bondage forever. And in your despair, you slam the door behind you as you walk out into the rain you return half an hour later, sniveling, uh, sniffling, sneezing, and coughing, and you know you're coming down with pneumonia. Your lungs start to fill with fluid. Your temperature rises. You get sicker and sicker, and you realize you're dying. And as you let, you let go of your life, you say to yourself, this is the way out. I'm finally free. Mr. Perfect couldn't be divorced. Mr. Perfect wouldn't die, but I'm dying, and that sets me free to marry another one, Mr. Love, who's waiting for me in heaven. Now, just like Mr. Perfect in that story, if you try to live under the law in your life, it continually looms over you making you aware of your imperfections and inconsistencies, which leaves you nothing but miserable. And no matter what we do, we can't get rid of the law as long as we're alive in this world, the Bible telling us that it is here to stay. But what Paul tells us here in Romans 7 is that we don't have to try to live in line with the law anymore because we are in fact dead to it thanks to Jesus on the cross. Just as this person in this story died and was no longer accountable to the law, that is what's happened to us and as such we're free to marry another, that being Jesus Christ. So now we can focus on living in the loving relationship God desires to have with us instead of focusing all our attention on what should I be doing or what shouldn't I be doing because none of that worked 
prior to being saved and making you a good or right person. You constantly failed. And so it's not gonna work now. Instead, God says, focus all your attention on me and that is what will lead to the righteousness I intend for you in your life. Amen? Amen, all right? So we're going through this section of Romans where Paul's telling us these benefits of being saved. And last, or the last couple times we were in Romans, Romans 6, the focus was on you being set free from the power of sin. When you died to sin, you were set free from the power of sin. So you no longer have to keep sinning. And so now he moves on to telling us the next benefit. And that is, since you're dead to sin, you no longer have to be preoccupied with sin. Or you no longer need to be focusing on sin. Instead, you get to focus on the one that loves you and saves you in your relationship with him. Amen? Let me pray and then we'll start getting into this chapter. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, I thank you so much for the truths we're gonna learn today in your word, for all the truths in your word, but these are truly truths. I think of your word how it says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And being free from the law has resulted in such liberty in our lives that we can never have apart from you. Yet in my flesh, I can still go back to putting myself under something that you have freed me from. And Lord, I need to constantly be reminded of this truth that my life is no longer about having a bunch of rules and regulations on myself and checking boxes and and, and focusing on, am I doing all right? Am I not doing all right? But instead, I've been freed from that life and I've been brought into a life where I have your spirit inside of me and I'm just focusing on surrendering and letting you lead me into your good, pleasing, and perfect will. And that is what will result in fruit in our lives. Lord, we wanna live in that freedom, in that liberty, and not go back to putting ourselves under something that we're dead to. So Lord, may this be a reminder to us of the freedom we have in you and of the focus of where our focus should be, and that is on you and our relationship with you first and foremost. All God's people said, Amen. All right, so Paul starts out and he says in verse one, he says, uh, chapter seven, or do you not know, brothers, again, brothers in the Greek there, that word means brothers and sisters, so all of his audience, or do you not know, brothers, for I'm speaking to those who know the law, that would be the Jewish people he's, he's responding to here that were under the law, that knew the law, that the law is binding on a person only as long as he lives. For... Basically, he's gonna give us an example. For a married woman is bound by law to her husband while he lives, but if her husband dies, she's released from the law of marriage. Accordingly, she will be called an adulteress if she lives with another man while her husband is alive. But if her husband dies, she is free from the law, and if she marries another man, she is not an adulteress. So back under, in Romans chapter six, verse 14, Paul makes this statement. We're not under the law anymore. We're under grace. And he goes on and, and kind of shares what that practically looks like in the rest of Romans 6. Like, you're no longer under the law, you're in grace, and, and you're free of the power of sin, you can live that way. And so now he's gonna go on to explain what that actually means to no longer be under the law. Paul making the point in verses one through three that death ends any obligation that the law created in our lives. Using marriage as an example, 
he shares that if a woman married a man under the law, she was obligated to stay with him and never leave him for her entire life unless he died, okay? And then he goes on to say, likewise, or just like that example of marriage I'm giving you, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. So what Paul's conveying here is that just as a woman was tied to a man for life through marriage, we once were similar, similarly married to the law. And therefore, we were subject to it until death do us part, okay? And there's nothing a matter with the law itself. God made it. It's perfectly just and true, therefore. And therefore, it isn't going anywhere. Jesus telling us in Matthew 5, 18, I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. And we know in other parts of scripture that that purpose is until there's no more sin left in this world. Paul telling us that the law is necessary for the unrighteous or those that have not placed their faith in Jesus Christ. He tells us in 1 Timothy 1, 8 through 11, we know that the law is good when used correctly for the law was not intended for people who do what is right, which is only possible if you placed your faith in Jesus, all right? It is for people who are lawless, and rebellious, who are ungodly and sinful, who consider nothing sacred and defile what is holy, who kill their father or mother or commit other murders. The law is for people who are sexually immoral, who practice homosexuality, or who are slave traders, liars, promise breakers, or who do anything else that contradicts the wholesome teaching that comes from the glorious good news entrusted to me by our blessed God. So, those who do not know the Lord, that don't have a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, they need the law laid upon them for their own protection because it's intended to show them their sin so that they don't keep going down that path of harming themselves and harming other peoples in their lives. So since the law isn't going anywhere, like Mr. Perfect in that story I read at the very beginning, we're stuck with it continually hanging over us, making us aware of, quite frankly, how much we suck, which only leads to discouragement and depression in our lives as we exhaust ourselves trying to live up to standards we can never meet. But Paul goes on in, verse, in Romans 7 to tell us that there's a way out, and that is to die, which is exactly what happened the moment you placed your faith in Jesus Christ. Paul telling us in Galatians 2.20, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. When Christ died on that cross, your old self that was married to the law died with him. And now, because of that, you're no longer accountable to it. Think of it this way. Have you ever in your life ever heard of or seen of a dead person having to appear in a courtroom to answer for a crime they committed? <laughs> no, right? Never. 
Because if a person is dead, they're no longer under the authority of the law or accountable to it. So too, because we died with Christ through our faith in him, we are free from the law. And as such, we no longer need to be focused on or preoccupied with trying to follow it because you're no longer married to its rules and regulations, which means you are free from what is called legalism or trying to maintain a good standing with God by what you do and don't do. For the person that Paul's addressing in this chapter that would say, yes, that's true, we're saved by faith, but you also have to do what's right. You you also have to follow what God says is good in his law and what's not. Paul's saying no. He's saying it's absolutely pointless to focus on the law and what to do and what not to do because here's the thing, you're saved by God's grace and grace alone. It didn't matter before you were saved. You couldn't save yourself. You couldn't do it, follow it perfectly. So it still doesn't matter. So it's, 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 it makes no sense to pre- preoccupy with yourself, to have that be the driving focus in your life. Now, just because we are free from the law does not mean that we should live for ourselves or however we want to. As verse four goes on to say, Specifically, you were freed from the law for a specific purpose. And that was so you could belong or be married to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, as it says, which is who? Jesus. You were freed for a specific purpose. And that's why it says that you have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another. You were freed, divorced, or died to the law so that you could marry another, and that is Jesus Christ. And that's where a lot of the New Testament refers to us as the bride of Christ. And now your focus is simply to follow Jesus and experience that loving relationship that he intends to have with you, as Jason talked about last week. That is our focus now, which offers us so much freedom in comparison to the restrictedness of the law. As Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 6, 12, all things are lawful for me. Basically, I can do whatever I want, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be dominated or in bondage or controlled by anything. 1 Corinthians 10, 23, Paul says, all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful, but not all things build up or help others. So instead of living under the law with a mindset of always focusing on what I can and I can't do, I get to enjoy this freedom God has given me and willingly choose to not enslave myself to anything that is harmful to me or may cause others around me harm or to cause them to stumble. I can forget trying to govern my life with rules and regulations as Christ has given me liberty and freedom to do as I please. But here's the thing, since our eyes are opened now and we're not blind anymore, we know that what will please us most is to follow Jesus into his good, pleasing, and perfect will 
which involves obeying him in what he says. But we have the choice to do that and we don't have the excuse not to because our eyes have been opened and we see that that is the better thing to do in our lives. The law, as it says behind me, screams responsibility at you. You got to do this to be right. You got to do this to be a good person. But that's not what God does. God lovingly just tells you, just respond to me. Just respond to me. Respond to my love. Respond to my care. Respond to my faithfulness. Respond to my mercy. Respond to the sacrifice I've made you. I've shown you how much I love you. Just respond and follow me. And when we really grasp how much Jesus loves us, as demonstrated by what he's done on the cross and everything he's done for us after, we no longer have to do anything. Your life just simply turns into like, I get to serve Jesus. I get to be with him. I get to be with my new husband. You know, think of it this way. When you're really in love with someone, does it feel like a chore to be with them, to talk with them, to do things for them? No, right? No, right? <laughs> All right, think about when you first met your spouse and you couldn't get enough and you'd talk on the phone for like four hours and you just saw them, you stayed out with them till midnight, then you get up at five in the morning, oh, we need to go out again. You know, it's, that's, that's what it's like with Jesus. That's why like that verse we read a couple, last week, like, like when, uh, when he's ministering in the church of Ephesus who had like forgotten their first love. He says, go back to the things you did at first. Go back to when you first fell in love with me. Because then when you're at that place of like focusing on that relationship with him and you're experiencing that love of God, the thing is doing your Bible or reading your Bible or, or praying aren't just these regulations, like these things that you're, you're telling yourself you have to do. They're like, oh, I get to talk to God today. I get to spend time with him. You're serving him isn't a thing that you have to do. It's like, oh man, I get to be with the Lord and I, I get to do what he says and, and, and just bless him because I care about him so much because I know he cares about me just like you would with your spouse. Your focus totally changes. It's not in all the, the do's or the don'ts. It's just like, I just need to be with Jesus. I just want to go wherever he does. I want to do whatever he says because like, I know he cares about me and he only has good things for me. It changes your whole mindset. And verse four goes on to tell us why that's important as it will result in bearing fruit for God in your life. Jesus telling us in John 15, five, yes, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them, the idea is that you're close and you're connected with God. They will produce much fruit for apart from me, you can do nothing. It's not the believer that says or focuses on trying to live for God by keeping the law that's gonna have fruitfulness in their life. It's the believer that's most excited and devoted to their relationship with God that is gonna have the most fruitful life. That's what Paul's saying here. And the law to us as Christians becomes simply something that first points us to Jesus or helps us understand him better and then gives us principles 
that are beneficial to us. Instead of being focused on the technicalities of the law, I approach it with a mindset of like, God, what are you trying to show me about yourself here? And what is it that you want me to receive that's a benefit to my life? So let's look at the Sabbath, for instance, all right? Some would take the Sabbath, if you guys don't know, was something in the law that was established by God as a day set aside to be with the Lord and to rest, okay? And there's some still today that would take a very legalistic stance about that, the, the Sabbath having to be on a specific day of the week and that anyone that does anything on that day other than spending time with God, you're violating God's law and therefore you're in sin. But what Paul, Paul's response to that in Colossians 2, 16 through 17 is, so don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or for not celebrating certain holy days or new moon ceremonies or Sabbaths. For these rules are only a shadow of the reality yet to come. And Christ himself is that reality. If you think of a shadow, it's always just a partial picture of the reality of whatever's casting it, right? And so some people can be so caught up in the shadows of the law that they miss out in the reality of experiencing what can only be found in Jesus Christ as it's Jesus who is our true Sabbath because it's only in Jesus that you can truly find the rest that you're looking for. That was a picture of the greater rest that was to come that was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And we don't want to miss that. And in the process of being so focused on keeping the letter of the law, people can also completely miss out on what God is practically trying to help them learn by the principle he's established in his law. Jesus telling us in Mark 2, 27, then Jesus said to him, the Sabbath was made to meet the needs of people and not people to meet the requirements of the Sabbath. Basically, what he's saying is God doesn't need you to keep the Sabbath. It was meant for your benefit because God knows our tendency to work ourselves to death. He's like, it is good that you take a day off and rest and just be with me. And if you completely miss that, then you miss the whole reason he gave the command in the first place. Paul going on to say in verse five, for while we were living in the flesh, our sinful passions aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit for death. But now we are released from the law, having died to that which held us captive, so that we serve in the new way of the spirit and not in the old way of the written code. So Paul reminds us here in verse five of how it used to be while we were under the law, prior to being saved and trying to live like as good people, right? Trying to be good people, trying to do the things that we thought were right or trying not to do the things that were bad. He said, instead of bearing fruit for God, in verse five, he says, we only bore fruit for death as our sinful passions were aroused by the law, as he goes on to say. Basically, he's saying like, how did that work out for you being told what to do and what not to do? Did that result in you doing what was right all the time? No, it only resulted you in doing even more sin because nobody likes being told what to do and not to do. And when you tried not to do the things you're not supposed to do and you try to do the things you're supposed to do, you only fail more. It only makes you sin more. So if that didn't work before coming to know Jesus Christ or if you failed at being right with God 
by trying to keep the law before, why the heck are you trying to go back to it now to be righteous with him? Especially since we've now been released from the law or we're free from being under it, as he goes on to say there in verse six, through sharing in Jesus' death at the cross, as Paul says. Meaning that the law no longer dictates whether we are right before God as God has already said, we are justified through the blood of his son. So now, now that you are right with God, you have the freedom to live rightly for God, not by your strength and might, but by the spirit, as he says there, right? He says, by the new way of the spirit, you have God's Holy Spirit in you to actually guide you and empower you into what's right and wrong and, and, and to be able to do it. And Paul goes on to tell us that in Galatians 5, 16 through 18, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't be doing what our sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the spirit wants. And the spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you are not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the spirit, you are not under obligation to the law of Moses. I love that passage because what it says is you don't do what's right by trying to do what's right. He's like, you're actually gonna fail if that's your focus. He's like, you do what's right by, it says here, letting the Holy Spirit lead you. Some of you say walk with the Spirit. The idea is that here's how you do what's right. You surrender your life to God and let him lead you. You take your hands off the steering wheels and you trust God and you let him, you do what he says instead of doing what you think's best. Even if it doesn't make sense, you just trust and let him lead and guide, and it starts with surrender because that can be even more scary. I mean, it's way easier to have a list of things that I think are good, and I can check these off, all right, and I'm good. It's a lot more scary just to like, all right, Lord, you can take the wheel. I'm just gonna trust and surrender. I know you say it's gonna be good, but I don't always understand that, so I'm just gonna have to have faith and let you lead and follow as you lead. But that right there is what will lead into not gratifying your sinful nature. And this is the way God intends our relationship to be with him. Again, not trying to follow a set of religious rules to be in good standing with him as that's only gonna lead to failure and frustration. But because you are in fact already right in God's eyes through your faith in Jesus, now we can just focus all our attention not on trying to be right, but all our attention and effort in staying close to him personally and following him as he leads us moment by moment in our daily lives. And I'm gonna tell you something right here. That's when your Christian walk becomes really an exciting adventure, okay? Here's the thing. If it's a boring religion, if that's what it feels like, if our relationship is dry and just we don't see the things happening that we see in the books of the Bible or we see like God moving or we feel like he's not there, Here's one of the reasons that that could be because we've in a sense put ourselves back under the law and made it a religion when God's like, no, 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 I saved you to have a relationship. 
Religion in some way or another is what you were trying to do before I saved you and trying to be a good person and that doesn't work. And that's not what I saved you for. I saved you because you couldn't be a good person apart from me and I want you to be a good person so you experience blessing in your life and you needed me in my life, in your life, to lead and lead you into that life. And you needed my help to carry it out. Bless you. (laughs) All that to say is, that is something that is so important for us to be aware of. Because my tendency, and I've already said it before, is to go right back to put myself under the law that God has freed me from. And that can be a continuous battle as a Christian. I need to remind myself, no, I'm not under the law. I'm dead to it. I don't need to see how I did yesterday or how, check how I'm doing today and feel condemned and guilty when I'm not living up to the standard of perfection. The standard of perfection was God himself. And God has said, you've met my standard of perfection because I see my son when I see you because Jesus has paid for every sin you've ever done, every sin you could ever do. So you couldn't be any more right in God's eyes. So God says, live in that righteousness and just focus all your attention on staying close to me and I'll lead you into living that righteousness practically in your life as I renew your mind and conform you to the image of my son. And any of you guys have been Christians for any amount of time, you realize that that in itself takes a lot of work. You're not gonna stay close to Jesus accidentally. Everything in this world is trying to drive a wedge between you and the Lord. I've used this analogy before, but it's like you're paddling upstream. If you stop paddling for a second, guess what? You start floating downstream in the current. There's no way you're gonna stay close to God unless you're intentional about doing that. And the things that he's given us to stay close to him are just the very simple things, the basics that sometimes we take for granted. We think we really know these things. It's like, he's given us his word. This is the very words of God. So we don't have to wonder. These things are all truth. This is how we get to know him and we understand his plans for us. He's given us prayer. He said, talk to me, communicate with me. Be open and honest, involve me in your life. He's given us fellowship with each other because the Holy Spirit's in each of us. And often, one of the ways he speaks to us or ministers to us is through each other. It just happened to me earlier this week. There was like a certain song, a worship song I was listening to, and I was like, man, this song is just ministering to me, and I think it would be really good for this person. I knew they were going through something hard in their life, so I texted them, and they responded and said, oh, man, you don't know how much I needed that. I was really struggling this morning and that song just reminded me, man, of what I needed to be reminded of. That was the Holy Spirit through fellowship ministering. That's what God does to us. Many of us have experienced that over and over again in our lives. That's why we need to be doing life together daily. These are the ways we stay close to God, but it's so easy amongst our busy lives to just neglect those things And then all of a sudden we have distance between us and God and all of a sudden we just get into turning it into something about like, well, you know, I did go to church on Sunday or I did read my Bible and I did this and and it's like, those things are all about your relationship. They're not about doing to be right with God. You are right with God. But that mindset is so important to have. Amen?
Amen. Well, I'm going to have the worship team come up here, and we're going to do communion. I haven't been really good at doing this. My sons tell me, like they're confused. You're going to do it on your own, okay? On your own. You come up and grab the elements. You talk to God. You take communion on your own, all right? We're not going to do it together. Sometimes we do it together, but not today. But here's the thing I really want you guys to focus on, all right? So one of the things, we're learning a lot in Romans on what, like things that we should be remembering that were accomplished at the cross. I mean, we, we, we remember like our sins are forgiven, right? So like Paul spent the first five chapters of Romans talking about like how we're sinners and we need to be forgiven and, and, and that penalty for our sins has been paid for on the cross. So that's most certainly one of the things. We drink that juice, we realize Jesus' blood atoned for our sins, they're paid for in full. So we, we remember and we thank God for that. But Romans 5 was all about, we've also been freed from the power of sin, right? So like we have to remind ourselves and, and thank God that we, don't, we no longer have to listen to the enemy or listen to our flesh. We, are, we can walk in that freedom of the, the sin has no power over us. It's like a, a powerless bully. So we, we need to remind ourselves of that. We need to thank God for that. And now here in Romans 7, one of the things God set us free from is the law or the preoccupation with sin. If you came here and here feeling condemned or guilty because you did something yesterday that you shouldn't have done, it, it's, you're, that's paid for. You don't have to fill your mind and dwell on that. You're forgiven of it. You get up, dust yourself off, and go like, God, I don't, I'm, I'm, the penalty's been paid for. It has no power over me. I don't have to keep doing it. And I don't need to dwell on this because I just want to dwell on you. I need you to help me live in that new right life. That's why you're here at church. You're here to be with Jesus. This is why when you pray later today, you're there to be with Jesus. You're there to talk with the God that's given you full access to him. When you guys are going to home church today, you're there to be with Jesus, your family, your eternal family, who Jesus is gonna work through to encourage you and strengthen you and motivate you. That's why you're there. And you're gonna remember that you're no longer married to the law, so there's no point in living like that anymore. Some of us grew up in atmospheres, maybe different denominations where even, they might even say they believe this, but their actions would lead you to believe otherwise. Where you were taught that if you don't do this or you don't do that, you're not a good Christian or you owe God these things. And it's like, it, it's, it's so damaging. And some of those churches, they mean well in, in, in doing that, but it just, you have to undo that. You have to ask God to like his word. This is what undoes it because that's not what his word says. His word said, no, I didn't, I didn't save you to live under rules and regulations, especially any ones created by man. I saved you to live with me for all eternity. And that starts right now. And that'll make all the difference in the world in your relationship with God. It is a very exciting to just walk with the Lord daily. And just, all right, Lord, what do you have for me today? Oh, you want me to go talk to this person? All right, that's kind of scary, but I'm gonna do it. And then next thing you know, it's somebody to start crying or they're like, I, I needed that. Or, or I, want you to, I want you to sit down with your kid and spend some time with them. Well, I'm busy, Lord. I have a bunch of stuff to do. 
But I did read my Bible this morning. No, that's not what I'm talking about. I want you to spend time with your kid, and all of a sudden your kid opens up and talks to you about something that you can give them wisdom on or you can help them and encourage them in. It's not like that's only available to some Christians. That's available to every single one of us. <laughs> that's the walk. That's, that's the relationship God wants with you. So as we have this response time, I really encourage you, where, where are you at? Are you the, the person that's checking boxes and struggling to, to live up to the expectations you believe God has for you, which that's not true. You've just been heard the truth from God's word today that that's, he has no expectations. His expectations were his son and his son is perfectly righteous and he's imparted that to you through your faith in Jesus. So there's no expectations. Don't put them on yourself. God sees you as perfect as you could ever be. Be free of that. Are you just walking with the Spirit? Letting God lead? Do you need to surrender control over things? Which is hard for some of us that like to be in control. I'm one of those people. God's, God, <laughs> he's put me in situation after situation just to totally show me you're gonna have no control over your life. <laughs> like literally in situations where I didn't even have the choice to have control. And it's to teach me that. I see that now. I didn't see it then. There was nothing comfortable about it. But I see it now. It's just like, I, I wasn't giving you control. So you had to put me in a situation where I had no control. So I had to trust you. And then guess what? He was faithful. He was good. He knew better than me. And God's, to some degree, I believe, he's doing that in every single one of our lives. You can fight him on it, but he's gonna get you to release the steering wheel because he knows he can drive a lot better than you. <laughs> Amen? <laughs> yes. So we'll have our prayer team around the room. You guys are gonna do communion on your own. Come up and get it. And if you need prayer for anything, come up. But don't miss this opportunity to respond. You might have, been, you might have walked in here really struggling with legalism in your life, but the Lord wants to free you of that so you walk here free in the liberty he's given you. Amen. Amen. Lord God, thank you so much for your word. I thank you. I wouldn't believe this was true unless I read it myself. Lord, this is what you say to us, that we're dead to the law. We couldn't keep it anyways. We couldn't get rid of it, no matter how hard we tried, but we had to die to it. And because we are, we have died, we've died with you, we're no longer a part of this world that the law's intended to help people get them to a place of where they repent and they turn to you. Lord, we're part of your kingdom now. So we're not accountable to it now. We're accountable to you. And you've saved us so that we don't have to, which was always the focus of our lives before we were saved, just focusing on What's right? What's wrong? How do I be a good person? All, we've been saved from all that. Now we just give our complete focus to you and let you lead us through life. We already know we're right with you, so we don't need to focus on that. We just want to focus on being with you and being faithful to follow into the place you lead us, to do the things you're telling us to do because that's where we're going to experience your good, pleasing, and perfect will. And we're going to be we're going to be blessed, as it says. We're going to be fruitful. 
we're gonna be changed to be like Jesus. So Lord, may your spirit just minister to each of us wherever we're at because it, with this many people, there's surely some of us that are struggling with this, maybe even because we've just been taught completely opposite at some point in our lives. And the truth of your word right now is revealing what we need to what we need to know and what we need your help to change, to have that right mindset. So be with us as we remember the sacrifice you made and what you freed us from. And may we leave here, Lord, living in the freedom that you've given us. In Jesus' name, amen.